This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hello and welcome to my favorite murder, the mini-sode. Mini-sode time for you. I'll go first. This email, <laughs> the subject line is why it's hip to be square. Oh. Hello, humans, mammals, and other earthlings. When I was 20, I lived alone for the first time in a small, quiet apartment community. After a long evening out chatting with friends in the parking lot of the local hangout, I noticed our group had started to dwindle as it was getting pretty late, and all of the businesses nearby had been closed for hours. One of the people that had been chatting with us was a new face, and I learned that he was bicycling across the country after beating cancer, camping, and couch surfing as he went along. Everyone was very intrigued at his story, and and how he was living his dreams. He had stayed at a male friend's house the previous two nights, so when I was ready to leave, I asked if he would be staying at my friend's house again, but he said no since my friend had to go out of town and he would have to make camp. At this point, the others had left, and it was just me and him saying goodbye. It was spring, unusually cold, and this guy looked rail thin and already shivering. So I did the best thing I could think of at the time, went alone in a parking lot at midnight with a strange traveling man, and I invited him to sleep on my couch. I felt it was super uncool of me to not offer, and I thought it would be awesome to be part of his story. (sighs) After loading his bicycle into the back of my Corsica. (laughs) Corsica, wow. And getting back to my place, I offered him a snack and chatted with him for only a few minutes in the living room. I had to work early in the morning, so I let him know and handed him some blankets. He seemed really grateful, and it wasn't until I went into my bedroom that I realized what I had actually done. I had invited a strange bicycling man back to my apartment, and no one knew it but me. At the time, I didn't have a cell phone, and the only house phone was in the living room with him. I went to lock my bedroom door and only then realized there was no lock on it. My apartment was so quiet you could hear a pin drop, so I very carefully pushed my fake wood, light as a feather, (laughs) and not going to stop anyone dresser in front of the door, thinking at least if he came in, it would give me a second to defend myself with absolutely nothing because I had no weapons whatsoever (laughs) in my room and was on the second floor. Oh, (sighs) Somehow I dozed off and a couple hours later woke by the sound of him quietly calling my name from the other side of the door. I went to the door and without opening it or moving the dresser, I asked him what he needed. He said he couldn't sleep and was wondering if I wanted to talk. (gasps) I decided right then that I needed to take him somewhere else, knowing that I wouldn't get any rest with this random dude in the other room. So I told him just a minute and that I would be right out. Ignorant to everything I have learned about stranger danger in the last 17 years since this happened, I pushed the dresser out of the way and opened the door. (sighs) 
It was very dark in the hallway with only a tiny bit of light from the street shining through the blinds. But as I struggled to focus my eyes, I realized that he was standing right in front of me, less than inches away, still at my door. It startled me. So I asked what he was doing. And he said again, I just wanted to talk. Now, at this point, my eyes had fully adjusted and I could see that he was completely 100 percent naked. Naked. Oh, no. I'm not sure what he was expecting to happen or what kind of woman has ever been turned on by a scrawny man with a <laughs> with a flaccid penis. <laughs> As I backed into my room a few steps and I shut the door between us and loudly proclaimed that I was giving him one minute to get dressed and that he needed to leave. During this one minute, I started to shake with rage and decided maybe it was he that should be scared of me. I barged out of the bedroom on the offense, shouting and now holding a screwdriver. The only thing I could find nearby. Hey, that'll work. Dude. As I was shouting loudly at him about taking advantage of women, he tried to interject that he thought my invitation to crash on the couch meant something more. But I was not having it. Yeah, then he, my- he would have invited him in your bed, dude. Right. It would be quite clear if she was interested in you in any sort of way. So now she's being punished for being decent and basically accepting you guilting her as you stand there shivering alone in a parking lot. And you not understanding any fucking cues as to a woman not being fucking interested in you. Or you understanding that you got no cues, but you want it anyway. So too bad for her, right? Well, no, because... Now we're back in the email. Okay, let's do it. As my intensity built, I continued to interrupt him, yelling, get out, while channeling my inner Carrie. And then in parentheses, it says Stephen King. Yeah. At this point, it should be mentioned, my actions were also an incorrect response since I didn't have any special powers or a real weapon to back up my rage. Fortunately, the guy quickly dressed, grabbed his things, and rode off in the night on his bicycle. I learned a lot from this experience, and it changed the way I interact with strangers and how I managed my personal space from then on. Thanks for listening to my story. Stay sexy. Who cares if you're cool? And remember, you don't have to help anyone. Brittany. Love it, Brittany. That's right. You are not obligated. And it might be awkward in a lot those few moments of you not offering. But you're not obligated in any way to help people out because of fucking guilt. Now, if you lived in a house with, you know, say three large dudes and a couple other people, then that's fine because it won't be on you. But as a woman living alone or by herself, that's the you can look that guy in the eye and go, you, it's not safe for me to bring you right. back to my house. That would be crazy. Right. And then good luck, friend. You should have actually, you should have locked this down earlier. Totally. No, yeah. he was waiting for a single woman to fucking invite him over. That's what he was doing. Could have. Yeah. Creep. All right. Creep. But this is how we learn. She also shouldn't feel guilty because right. this is how we learn. It's like you can't, you can make assumptions. And then once you're in a scary situation, go, well, now I've learned my lesson. Totally. No guilt, no shade. Continue on stronger than ever. Growing, learning, loving. loving. Let's screwdrivers. Screwdrivers. <laughs> the cocktail or the screwdriver? All okay. of it. All right. The weapon, the cocktail. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the name of this one. It, go, it starts, you guys are my favorite. Uh-huh. Oh. This is long, so I'm jumping in. 
I've written the story to you before, but since then, my beloved great uncle has passed away and the reflection of his memory has been brought back to the surface. Oh, beautifully put. When I was around 12 years old, my parents told me that my mother's favorite aunt and uncle would be coming to visit for a while. I had never met them, but my mom always spoke of them fondly. When they arrived, I was surprised to see them park their giant RV in front of our house, Christmas vacation style. <laughs> I love get it. that reference. I love yes. it. Although they were welcome to our, uh, to our guest bedroom, they told us that they felt more comfortable just staying in their home. They parked in front of our suburban home for a little over a week. And despite the attention their RV drew from the kids that rode my school bus, they were fun to have around. They sat in our living room, strumming the auto harp, wailing out tinny bluegrass songs and telling stories of their colorful life living across the country in an RV. I knew that my uncle, let's call him John, had been a very successful businessman. So once they left, I asked my mom why they lived in an RV. She very calmly said, oh, they're on the lamb and they're just traveling the country in the RV until the statute runs out. You probably shouldn't tell any of your friends what their names are. <laughs> oh. oh oh they're on the lamb i'm mom i'm carol your mom they're on the it's lamb me, carol they're on the lamb <laughs> and then she writes i'm sorry what so we just had a wanted fugitive stay with us for over a week and you're just now giving me the heads up about this as it turns out uncle john was wanted for a huge mail fraud scam Oh, his brother who was now in prison was arrested first but john and his wife got the heads up early <laughs> so early enough to take off I asked my mom for more details and she said well for years here's Carol well for years they sent out advertisements in the mail for a penis enlargement product once the men had mailed their checks in for the product all John and his brother sent back to them were photos of naked women <laughs> it's a penis enlargement it's sarcasm through the mail that's <laughs> fucked up like they didn't have to send anything they could have just no. not responded and instead they were like Get They're it? Like, eh, 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 gotcha. 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 They made enough money to support two households. <laughs> so fuck. So apparently his quote successful business was not at all what I thought it had been. John's statute ran out over 20 years ago, but he and his wife got so used to living on the lamb that they decided it was home and continued to live that way until he recently passed. I guess I'm glad that his ridiculous scheme ended up providing them with their dream lives. I'm also glad that I didn't have to explain to the kids on my bus why the SWAT team showed up to arrest the people <laughs> in the trailer outside my house because of a penis enlargement mail scandal. As a 12-year-old, that would have been very bad for my social life. Mm -hmm. Anyway, love you guys. Stay sexy and don't promise penis enlargements. Angela from Tulsa. Oh, no, Angela. <laughs> Penis enlargement. That is hijinks. Hijinks. And it must have been like the 60s or something, I'd assume. Or the 70s. Yeah, when people... Mailed things. People mailed things. They, there was no way to kind of like get the word out. Right. They probably wouldn't anyway because it's like, hey, this yeah. didn't happen to me, but it happened to a friend right. of mine. I mean, what, to, how to would press you... charges would be so embarrassing, probably. It's horrible. It's almost, I mean, they, I think that's probably part of it, yeah. right? They're taking advantage of the fact that, yeah. what are you going to do? It what sucks. are you going to do? It sucks. That's like when, um, when Etsy, not Etsy, when eBay first started, I knew somebody that was selling um, 
it would be a picture that he just bought like postcards at the like uh-huh. at a gift store. But then he would put it on there and people assumed they were like fancy posters because he was charging like $250 oh. for them. And then he'd send it and it was just a postcard. <gasps> but he was like, I'm putting in the size. Right. Oh, I like it's just that they're not doing their homework. So it's like taking advantage. It was <sighs> the first wave of taking advantage of people who don't really know how to use the Internet. Right. Correctly. And there's no checks and balances because the website's kind of new. Ooh. And it's like, well, sorry, it's that thing of getting you on it on that. Like, well, did you not read right. that it says right there it's five inches by three inches? Oh, like, God. oh I can just feel myself falling for something like that. So I, I feel for it entirely. Um, OK, this is <laughs> there are so many O's in this word spooky, <laughs> spooky Halloween story. Hi, Karen, George, Stephen, and Exactly Right crew. Oh, thank you. Uh, Oh, man, have I got a ghost story to put you in the spooky Halloween (laughs) trademark simple mood. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Let's get into this spooky Halloween mood. Okay. (laughs) This is my third hand retelling of my aunt's, my mom's sister's wild spiritual encounter Mm. i would have asked my aunt katie for her firsthand account but my family doesn't talk to her anymore (laughs) gotta love those dysfunctional extended family members am i right (laughs) hell yes oh thank god we don't have anyone in my family yeah we don't we don't have one of those thank god do you you don't have ever in the family no everyone is on a level no oh, one, that's nice. There's no one cut that's off. That's good. Yeah. I don't think there's any now, but I think over the years right. also, because our family is gigantic, right. but over the years there have been like, um, there was one between my mom and my grandma that I, that I heard about years after. Oh. Where it was like, basically my grandmother said something about my mom's good friend. Oh. And then she was like, you have no right to judge <gasps> her. And then there was like, it was like silent treatment for a year. Oh yeah. We'll like, do that. Okay. We've done that. <laughs> I thought that was normal. I thought that was just families. I thought you were talking about like decades. That's just Thanksgiving. Uh, That's every year. I think everybody's family has that kind of shit because there's no one that can hurt you more than like your own family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My sister and I didn't talk for like years. Yeah. And now we're like close. Okay. Yeah. That's normal. All right. Got it. Now for the creepy shit. My mom is the youngest of three siblings with her brother Rob in the middle and her sister Katie as the oldest. My grandfather, I hope these aren't real names. (laughs) Oh, well, my grandfather's job required him to move his family all over the country every several years, whether my mom and her siblings liked it or not. Mm. After just moving from New York State down to Bel Air, Maryland, which is in parentheses, it says my hometown. During the summer of 1972, my 12 year old mom and her family were settling into yet another home. One of the first nights there, my Aunt Katie woke up the rest of the family with a blood-curdling scream. Hearing this, my grandmother rushed to her daughter's room to see what was wrong. I just saw Nana sitting on the bed, cried my aunt. This was especially shocking as my great-grandmother had passed away just a few months prior. According to Aunt Katie, the apparition of my great-grandmother was reading a newspaper with the front-page headline, Bel Air family dies in house fire. What? Mm-hmm. My grandma assured Aunt Katie that it was just a dream and to go back to sleep. 
What makes this story even more chilling is the fact that an inspector was scheduled to come the next morning to make sure the new house's electric, heating, cooling, gas, etc. was in working order for the new owners. When the inspector was finished, he informed my grandfather how lucky he was that he had come out that day, because if my family had turned on the AC unit in the basement, they would have certainly blown up due to faulty wiring, killing everyone inside. Okay, hold up right now. Yeah. Like, I believe imaginations do a lot of things, but a 12-year-old imagining that head, like, that's just not, that's like a really elaborate thing to imagine. It could have just been the grandma telling her, you know, hey, you're going to die in a house fight. You know, it's like, why? Yes, exactly. It's elaborate. And also, it's the kind of thing where, you know, oftentimes people who don't believe in ghosts or those kinds of experiences are like, yeah, it just doesn't really make any sense. But this one is just like, clearly, I am warning you right. about something. Right. Like, I'm trying to, I'm breaking through for this very specific task. Damn. Okay. So shout out to my great grandmother's <laughs> ghost for warning my family of an imminent danger and keeping them alive so I could be around today to be a murderino. Stay sexy and take your grandma's ghost seriously. Love to you all. Maddie. She, her. <laughs> wow. That is spooky Halloween trademark. Indeed. That's a spooky Halloween <laughs> trademark. Good one, Maddie. <laughs> nice one. Um, all right. I have a first responder story. Great. We haven't had one of those in a while. And this is also a famous person story at the same time. <gasps> Cary Grant. <laughs> <laughs> is that you, Cary Grant? Cary Grant, are you here to tell us about my house fire? <laughs> all right. First responder story. Hello. I tried sending this story in before, but now looking back, even I'm horrified at how long it was. <laughs> <laughs> see, it takes a little bit of time to to really see with clear eyes yeah. like that. Yeah. So this is a revised edition. Here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm a prosecutor and my husband is a firefighter paramedic. So you can imagine between the two of us, we've got stories. Before moving to Massachusetts, my husband was a firefighter paramedic in Montana. One night around 1 a.m., they get dispatched for a report of a man walking down a rural road who may or may not have been intoxicated. Mm. They respond and find the man who is walking aimlessly down this road in the middle of nowhere, Montana, and he's holding two bottles of wine. Mm. Sounds like a party. They ask him what he's up to, and he responds that he's going for a walk because it was a beautiful night. He then informed them that his friend was having a party, and that's where he had come from, but now he didn't know how to get back to the house. Now, my husband and his partner were obviously familiar with the area, and they happen to know that Jeff Ament, the bass player for Pearl Jam, yeah, had a house nearby. Mm-hmm. So they have a fairly good idea of where this gentleman was trying to get to. They offered him a ride, which he gladly accepts. The man climbs into the cab of the fire truck, and they begin driving to Jeff Ament's house. Is that right, Ament? I think so. Yeah. Um, that was a little over two miles away. Once inside the cab, my husband's partner is talking to the man and eventually asks, hey, is your name Eddie? (laughs) The man responds that it is, which then prompts the question, are you Eddie Vedder? Yeah. (laughs) And you guessed it. The lead singer of Pearl Jam was now hitchhiking a ride with a local Montana fire company back to Jeff Ammon's house. They dropped him off. He thanked them and then carried on with his night. My husband and his partner were familiar with Jeff Ammon's house because he he used to hold Sunday skate sessions for local skateboarders. He had a whole skate park on his property and sometimes people would get hurt. So the local first responders (laughs) got to visit. (laughs) 
<laughs> but they never had an opportunity to offer a rock legend a ride before. First time for everything. I hope you enjoyed this story. And I know everyone thanks you for talking about mental health, so I'm not going to repeat it. But I have one very important detail to add. I started listening to MFM because my therapist recommended it to me. <laughs> she also loves your podcast and knew that while I was going through some really dark shit, you guys could make me laugh. So it's official. Your therapist recommended. Hey, yeah, who needs an Trademark. award? Trademark. Trademark. <laughs> Stay sexy. Listen to your therapist when she tells you to listen to MFM and watch out for men wandering rural Montana roads. They just might be a grunge rock star. Love, <laughs> A. Yes. Any better? That's the coolest. I mean, here's the thing. That guy, I've heard lots of stories about Eddie Vedder over the years. Uh-huh. He is a humongous rock star, an amazing talent. He parties and he has a good goddamn time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That also seems That's really what you friendly. would do. Yes. Or am like I just a chill person? Pic- picturing him on Portlandia and he seemed really cool in that. <laughs> no, no, no. Everyone that I know that has met him adores him. Oh, bad. And it's like, yeah, when that's what I I would either when I got really drunk, I'd either want to start singing <laughs> or I'd want to take a walk. And you're in oh. Montana, which is like the, so gorgeous. I used to leave parties all the time. Yes. Sometimes if they had a dog, I'd take the dog for a walk. Sometimes <laughs> I would just wander off on my own, which isn't safe now that I think about it. I also have a story that I used to do in my act because one time my dad goes, hey, when he came, it was when I was still in high school uh-huh. or high school or college. And he came home from the firehouse one day and goes, hey, I met your friend last night. And I was like, who? And he goes, yeah, we were in. They Apparently they had to resuscitate Slash. After a <gasps> concert in San Francisco, the fire department got called because he like OD'd oh or something God. bad happened. Yeah. And my dad was like, the, oh, Karen knows. Karen must know this guy. <laughs> Karen must know Slash from Guns N' Roses. <laughs> because it was just like a, somebody that partied that was just like, you know, oh, I met your friend. <laughs> I met your friend Slash. Yeah. Amazing. Right. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more 
June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. It's my turn to shine. Go. Okay. Get it, girl. I'm not going to read you the subject line. Hi, Karen and Georgia and all associated pets and people. You asked for a story like this, so here it goes. My grandmother was born in 1932 in Jersey City to Italian immigrants, and she and my grandfather, born in Brooklyn, also to Italian immigrants, both had hilarious stories of growing up straddling the line between being authentically American and Italian at the same time. Mm. My grandfather passed away years ago, but this is a story that my grandmother still tells to this day. My grandma, Rachel, and her cousin, Rose, God, no one's named Rose, Rose anymore. That's so like first generation. Classic. Rose. Yeah. Yep. And her cousin Rose were inseparable growing up. They always did things together. They went to the New York World's Fair of 1939 mm. even. <gasps> Good God. Anyway, <laughs> my great grandmother, Rachel's mom, decided to send the girls on a special mission at the tender age of nine. <laughs> they were to go to the home of a family friend and pick up a very important and very illegal package homemade vodka <laughs> so basically like italian moonshine she's <laughs> homemade vodka yeah my great grandma could make the most delicious limoncello from this high octane vodka mm. so of course she wanted to send the most innocuous smugglers to get the job done her <laughs> child and niece 
In order to hide their illegal activities, the girls were set up with a baby buggy with lots of blankets inside so they could disguise the alcohol as a baby. Oh, just amazing. (laughs) They were to go straight to the moonshine lady's house and not to talk to people along the way so they don't arouse suspicion. But of course, act natural too. So hustle, but be natural. Off the girls went, and once they arrived, the lady wrapped several giant jugs of vodka in the blankets, swaddling them, if you will, and weighing the buggy down more than any infant possibly could. (laughs) They were told that no matter what, do not let anyone see the baby inside the buggy. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) It took both girls all their combined strength to get the buggy up the block and (laughs) through the neighborhood because it was so weighed down with vodka. They would stop and rest for a minute when they could, all the while trying to avoid making eye contact with anyone. And if someone did start to show interest in them and their cute little baby, they would simply say, no, no, this baby is very ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And keep on hustling up the street. You could have said it was a a doll. This baby's ugly. Don't bother. This baby's too ugly to look at. And the time I bet back then, old timey, they're like, yeah, probably some ugly babies in the old timey days. They're like, oof. I don't want to see an ugly baby. Thanks for the warning. (laughs) Uh, They made it back home sweaty and tired, but safely delivered the precious cargo to my great grandmother. She was very proud. Needless to say, no one went to jail. Not for that anyway. And my grandmother still makes her mother's recipe of limoncello from legally purchased vodka this time. And it's amazing. And I really need to learn it. I love you all and appreciate what you do. Stay strong, stay sexy, and maybe don't let your children transport your illegal alcohol for you. XOXO, Sarah. (laughs) Sarah, you need to learn how to make it and send us some because I want to try that. That's the shit. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, Um, I bet it it really is. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to redo the hilarious name of this. Wait. Okay. Yeah. You'll read it at the end. You'll get it. It's quick. Hi, human friends. Hi, furry friends. <laughs> I've been meaning to write in about this for a while. When my sister Allie was in college, she watched a boy named Thomas from birth to around five years old. My sister and I are a lot alike in the sense that we always lose our car keys or lock our keys in our car. <laughs> I wish at age 30 I could say I've grown out of it, but no. Mm. On one of the instances my sister lost her keys, she had to borrow her roommate's car to get to her babysitting gig. Thomas was two years old at the time, and his parents were so excited to have a night out in Bloomington, Indiana. Little did they know they'd have to go through some drama first. When she got there, and shortly before they left, Allie was making faces, you know, happy, silly faces you make with children. It was just (laughs) scary monster faces. (laughs) Just like silent scream faces. (laughs) You know. Uh, At Thomas, while his parents were holding him. (laughs) Then she took her roommate's keys... And took what she thought was a laser light and pressed the button on said laser light near Thomas's face. No, 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 no. It was not a laser light. And then it says, why would you shine a laser light near a two-year-old is beyond me. But nonetheless, all caps, it was Mace. (laughs) Yes, my sister maced a two-year-old boy she babysat. Oh, my God. It took everyone a second to react, including Thomas. But once he did, it was pure chaos. And then it says, don't worry, he's fine. Uh, He screamed bloody murder. And then I shit you not, he started throwing up. Yeah. Yeah. 
They put him in a bath. I guess that helps, question mark. And then his parents were on their way to their date. <sighs> what? Really? Yeah. She the says, parents were there for it? Yeah, yeah. They were holding the baby. <laughs> and she was making faces at it. Oh, let me put a laser light in your little face. <laughs> Holy shit. Then it says, if I had a two-year-old and didn't get out much, you bet, you bet your ass I'd probably do the same thing. His sure. parents weren't upset with my sister or anything, but I'm sure they were thinking, why the fuck would you press a button near a child's face if you aren't certain what the button is for? Yeah. My yeah. sister said it was one of the top five worst moments of her life. Yeah, I bet. You would never stop like getting like a hit of that and cringing. Oh. You just would never stop. You mace a baby. A baby. You maced a baby. Stay sexy and maybe don't mace the child you're babysitting, oh. Hannah. Fuck. Like you knew it was coming the whole time and then it just came. Yeah. And then it, well, there it was. And also, um, you know, I think we've talked about this before because I have a, uh, several cousins who are uh, San Francisco policemen and they have to get maced. Right. When they first start training. Right. Because it's like you can't you have to know the weapon and the intensity of the weapon you're about to use mm-hmm. on people. And so I was asking one of my cousins about it. And he was just like, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. So and he was, you know, 27 when it happened. Oh, so like it's like a baby. two years old. Yeah. Hopefully that's the other thing that's so, it. so fucked up about, you know, when we watched like all the um, all the marches and all the protests. Yeah over the uh, like last summer and then that it was like there were cops that would just go out and just spray it like it was fucking hairspray it was horrifying so fucked up totally um is that it (laughs) well now we just have to sit with that anyway uh yeah i think it's it but the intensity of that scenario clearly if the parents were like all right we're going to dinner let us (laughs) know if you if anything bad happens yeah it's obviously not it was the world and i think when you're a parent too you're like yeah that happened like you're you're more used to bad shit happening because children constantly try to kill themselves and you that's like your job in the beginning is to like make sure they don't kill themselves yeah you don't like i uh it makes me panic because i don't have kids but those those parents are like oh we've seen way worse unfazed yeah yes tell us that's like the the time that me and our my next door neighbor uh stuck a pole into a hornet's nest and then got covered in bee stings i never told you that story no it's whatever sorry wasps or hornets whatever ones they're ones that build their nests underground Uh so we found it in the backyard because it was just like a big open field like holy shit what's this and we tried to put a bucket over it but then the bucket turned black it was like a white bucket and the bucket turned black because the bees were trying to come up out and so we're like oh we got to knock that bucket off because we are now we made them angry and so we took this really really long pole and we're trying to knock the bucket off and instead it knocked the bucket off then the pole went straight into the nest and then we stood there and literally watched i can't believe i've told you the story i've definitely told it on podcasts before we watched a swarm of bees come straight up out of the (gasps) ground and just like a cartoon pause look in like a cloud and then come straight at us did you it was the scariest oh my god it was insane i was covered from head to toe and i was wearing overalls of course because i was like 10 and so i had overall i had bees in my clothes in my hair and then i run up to the back door we lived five miles out of town we didn't lock our front door 
the back door was locked somehow. <sighs> so I was in a, like still in the swarm of bees banging on the back door, waiting for someone to open the door. How do and you, my mom <laughs> walked you... up with one of those like a cordless curling irons going, what are you doing? And like yelling at me. And then I just run in and like 20 bees come into the house with me. It was insane. That's terrifying. And then they went out to dinner. (laughs) The bees? I got, uh, yeah, they all decided to go out with my parents. (laughs) My mom put a full like baking soda kind of poultice thing on every limb. And I just laid on the couch and then they were like, all right, call us if anything happens. And went to my Aunt Jane and Uncle Steve's for dinner. Hey, yep. do you have a story that's like that? Write, hey. write it in at my favorite murder at Gmail. <laughs> my brother got covered in a red ants once. Same kind of scenario. <gasps> yeah. And same thing. Yeah. And your mom was like, peace. Bye. I got to go to the PTA meeting. Sucks or whatever. To me. No, my mom didn't go to the fucking PTA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> she went to the crazy horse or whatever fucking line dancing thing was an orange. She, she got to go line. Tonight's my line dancing that's right. night. That's right, Asher. Sorry about that. Sorry, buddy. Uh, write us at my favorite murder at Gmail. I already said that. Uh, if you want another hometown, we do one more on the fan cult at myfavoritemurder.com. Thank you guys Exclusive so much. Exclusive content. Yeah. Exclusive. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. <gasps> Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Associate producer, Alejandra Keck. Engineer and mixer, Stephen Ray Morris. Researchers, Jay Elias and Haley Gray. Send us your hometowns and your fucking hoorays at myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder. And for more information about this podcast, our live shows, merch, or to join the fan cult, go to myfavoritemurder.com. Rate, review, and subscribe.